uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. This episode, we're going to be talking about things that we've done, places we've gone, and items we'd like to share. Straight away, let's kick it over to Chief. Why don't you tell us a little about UltraFest, Chief? How did it go? Well, yeah, we had UltraFest a couple weekends ago and uh, went well. Good crowds, a lot of people there having fun watching Ultraman. And uh, we did some, we did pretty good considering we were up against two behemoths that we mm. did. We were up against the San Diego Comic-Con oh. and we were up against Barbenheimer <laughs> that... Uh, was playing about seven or eight blocks away from the theater. Mm. So believe me, um, Adam, who owns both the four star and the Balboa, he spent, he's usually at our shows the whole weekend, but he spent the whole weekend at the Balboa because he had Barbenheimer over there, Barbie on one screen and Oppenheimer on the other. And every show was just blown out, sold out. Wow. Like crazy. So I have not seen either movie, but we had a blast doing UltraFest. So um, definitely a good crowd. Dory Krauss was a great guest. He played uh, Jack Shindo in Ultraman Towards the Future. And uh, we had prizes galore. Mill Creek video gave us like 120 Blu-rays to give away. Oh, that's cool. Just toss them, toss them everywhere. Here, want some Blu-ray sex and Blu-rays? Here, I want some Blu-rays. I'll take one. You got this one? No, here, take that one. And then uh, there were people that, I mean, we gave away so much stuff that we'd call it, you know, we'd read a ticket out, a ticket number out, and someone would be like, oh, I've won three prizes already this weekend. <laughs> I don't have any room for any more. But uh, we had some other, one company gave us like six plush Ultraman and oh. six plush Gamora um, figures. And so I was just like, if I saw a kid in the theater, I'd walk up and just hand them a plush. Here you go. <laughs> and they were all beaming with that. Um, I had two people there. They were actually at our Ultraman show back in 2005 at the Castro Theater. Wow. And so made sure they got some prizes. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> um, so we did shoot video of the whole thing. Uh, we had Butch Portillo there on Friday night shooting video. Oh, nice. And then we had David Ballard uh, do the video. And he shoots video, a lot of video for Frank and for, um, for Tom Worsh and uh, at the different events that they do, the Arenda and all that. So he shot ours. And uh, I had to send all of that over to Subaraya in Japan. Hmm, it's an Ultraman connection here in the U.S. So oh. a little, some of that stuff they say, they're supposed to send waivers if they use any of it. 
but uh, some of it may end up on the YouTube Ultraman channel. Oh. Some may show up on uh, Ultraman Connection website. Uh, once in a while, they do special streams and things. They may use clips for those. So uh, we'll see what happens with them. But it was good. A good weekend. Successful. Where I need to like type up a big report. What went good? What didn't? What would I do different? What would I do the same? You know, and uh, send that over. And then we're going to talk about the possibilities of the future. Oh, nice. Will we do this next year? Will we do make it a regular show? Yeah. Take it on the road. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I felt terrible. I missed it. I was, I was looking forward to it. And then, you know, like you said, Comic-Con down in San Diego and we'd already bought our tickets like months in advance. So I was like, ah. Well, then let's segue to San Diego Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Real quickly, do you have any of those sweet Ultraman posters left? There's a little... Uh, the Shin Ultraman posters? Yeah, yeah. I just might. M- might need to... Uh, Come visit you. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have our lunch in the next week or two. And uh, there you go. We'll exchange um, swag. I hope you can do this uh, next year. When I was putting the posters and the cards up and I threw some down at uh, Comic-Con on the on the swag table. Um, but the comic shops up here, they were all excited about it. And they were like, oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, there's Godzilla Fest in, in August. So, yeah, it, it was funny because I think I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but. I would, I, we had double-sided postcards. In fact, here's one here. Mm-hmm. Ultraman on one side, Godzilla Fest on the other. <laughs> so I would go and usually like the comic book shops, I'd say, you know, hey, we've got an Ultraman show coming up in July. And then we also have Godzilla in August. And they'd get all excited about Godzilla and all that. <laughs> but when I would go to Japanese grocery stores or I go around Japantown or uh, there's a little Japan area, Japanese area in uh, San Jose. I'd go there and I'd say, we have a Godzilla show coming up in August. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And I go, and we also have Ultraman in July. They'd be like, oh, (laughs) and then I'd have to sit there for about 20 minutes listening to how they grew up watching Ultraman and how much it means to them. And I mean, Ultraman is so deep rooted in the Japanese culture and, and really a lot of parts of Asia that um, <clears throat> that was a big thing. Whereas with the Western audiences, it was like, Oh, Godzilla. Yes. Yeah. And Ultraman. Oh, that old show they used to show here. So, yeah. Well, you know, the, the postcards are great. Uh, and the posters too, the, the artwork is so different. And that was a, a lot of the places we're noticing how um, the artwork you know, uh, changed between the shows and they really liked that. And I, yeah, yeah, it's really, yeah, we had, this is, uh, you can see if you're watching YouTube, if you're watching our, yeah, that's right. If you're watching our video, you should watch the video. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The ultra fest side of the postcard, the art was by Larry Quatch. Mm. Not to be confused with Schwatch, but Larry Quatch. That's right. And then the Godzilla fest side, was done by Nick Pino. Mm. And he is currently working on that to translate it into a uh, shirt design. So uh, we should have shirts of that at the show. And they can see those tickets are on sale now. So if they want to see those, they can go to Bay Area Film Events 
Wayareafilmfest.com slash GodzillaFest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's links. There's a whole list of what the movies are. There's a description. We have our guest, Sutomu Kitagawa, who played Godzilla in Godzilla 2000 through Godzilla Final Wars. And a link to weekend passes, day passes, and well, we the individual movie tickets just went up today, so I have to work mm-hmm. on the website and get those up. But awesome, very cool. Well, I will be in town for that one. I should be in town for that one, so I'm happy. As you should. My <laughs> uh, Sci-Fi right. Japan partner Keith Aiken. He's a uh, hitting up a bunch of licensees, trying to get a bunch of prizes for Godzilla Fest. So, oh, nice. I, I hit everybody up and got the Ultraman prizes, so he's going to get the Godzilla prizes. So. Awesome. I might even show one during the censor uh, suite, but we'll see. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, so, yes, unfortunately, I, I couldn't make it to Ultra Fest, but I was down at San Diego Comic-Con. I hadn't been there since 2009. Wow. Um, yeah. And if you've ever been there, that is, you know, they call it the granddaddy of all conventions. It's just big it's big and you know i try not to get you know that old man mentality when i was a kid and i went to conventions they um you could actually walk around (laughs) (laughs) exactly walk right up to the stars i remember when there were comic books at comic-con yeah oh man Um, i heard there were more comic books at this one since a lot of Hollywood was pulling out. You would be correct. They had uh, to Paul, fall back on comics. Paul H. was like the big granddaddy, like thousands of people, 4,000, 4,500, I think they said was capacity for, for Hall H. And, and so all of the, you know, Marvel pulled out a couple of years ago and they do their own, you know, Disney convention and and they show their Star Wars and and Raiders and all the licensed stuff that they have, as well as the Disney stuff. Um, so Marvel hasn't really had a cinematic presence, but that old man, I was there when they introduced Iron Man, the first movie, and Robert yeah. Downey walked out on the stage. And true story, you see Karen nodding her head. If you're watching on YouTube, we <laughs> I'm were nodding there. my head. <laughs> We were there. It was it was wonderful. Um, but anyway, so this year um, I kicked myself because Karen was like, oh, did, did, were there any panels? And I'm like, nah, not really. And I forgot I'd made <laughs> notes for myself, uh, paper notes before I went there. And my my wife is very techie. So she put everything on the app, you know, so we were kind of using the app and I forgot my notes. Uh, For those of you of a certain age, there was a program when I was five or six years old called the New Zoo Review. (laughs) And it had Henrietta Hippo and Freddie the Frog Frog and the Owl and Doug. And I can't think of the lady's name, but Doug and the lady were there with the guy who played Freddie the Frog. And I completely forgot. Um, You weren't all over them getting autographs? I would have loved to have taken a picture with them, actually. Um, but but they were there. So with with the strike, the writer's strike and the the actor's strike, um, Comic-Con put this thing out and other conventions. There's an expo, a sci-fi or hero expo coming to San Francisco in November. 
um, basically the rules state that if you're promoting a show or a movie, that's not allowed according to the union rules. You'd, you'd be, you know, basically violating the, the picket line or whatever, crossing a picket line metaphorically. So what we do in the shadows, uh, you know, you, you name the movie, they all pulled out. And now, so, is this, they couldn't promote a current project. Correct. But so if, like if, if uh, Tina Louise was there promoting Gilligan's Island, that would be allowed. Or her book, or she was just there taking pictures or she was just there selling pictures. And there were many, the guy that played Boomer in Battlestar Galactica, Herbert uh, Jeffries, I think is his name. He was there. Um, no Lou Ferrigno this year, unfortunately. Lou was a staple at Comic-Con when I used oh, to Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, you had some authors and, and you had some comic book people. Um, the floor itself where they sell everything, this very cool Roosevelt's con-exclusive Star Wars shirt. Um, you know, the vendors and stuff were there. We had a friend who wanted to get Tamagotchi. So Jasmine went in the Tamagotchi line to get her a Comic-Con. Um, I, sorry, I should have planned this better. But a lot of times, for those of you watching on YouTube, they'll have these little tags that have the Comic-Con logo and the company logo, and it's an exclusive. So... Tamagotchi, like I said, Hasbro, uh, the toy companies were there. It was really weird, though, because uh, we only got tickets for Thursday and Friday. We, we didn't score. I thought it was like Thursday, night. Sunday, no? Oh, Sunday. You're right. I'm sorry. Thursday, Sunday. And um, you go there. Before you go there, they give you 12 points online. And you can take your 12 tokens. It was almost like a game show. And you could put all your tokens in the Funko line. You could put all your tokens in the Mattel line. Oh, my God. But I know. Or to get an autograph with um, uh, what we do in the shadows. Some of the cast members, they didn't tell you who was going to be there, but some of the cast was going to be there. They had some wrestling WWE people that were going to be there promoting like a game or something. And so when the strike was announced, they reset everything and I forgot to go back in. And But, I, you know, I'm not a Funko person or a wrestling person per se. So, you know, there was it's plenty of other... It's too complicated. <laughs> this is what kills me about it. You got to, you know, get in the lottery to get a chance to get tickets now. And then you may not get like you guys wound up with Thursday and Sunday. And then at the same time, you're going to try to get a hotel room that's going to be super expensive. And you may not get the, you know, if you get the hotel room, but then you find out you didn't get the tickets, then you're screwed. Because what I remember trying to do this back in like 2009, 2010, was that none of the hotels were going to refund anybody. Like it was, that was it. There are so many people looking for rooms. You could probably auction that thing off. But it's, it's, you sound more an old fart than I do, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, it, it takes all the pleasure out of the experience, right? You're always, you're struggling to get into the things you want. I remember times standing online for like 
a couple of hours and not getting into a room and well, and that, that's what they were trying to, I, to avoid. Right. Because I remember standing in line to get a ticket to maybe buy a Galactus for whiz kids. And, you know, you know, a, a, a Solomon Grundy figure. And um, so to avoid standing in line, to stand in line, to later stand in line. They try to do this online. And just because you put your 12 tokens in a given thing, there were a lot of people on Twitter or X that were saying, I didn't get selected for anything. Um, and, and again, I'm not a big Funko person, but you guys would be shocked how much of the floor was dedicated to Funko. Wow. Oh, it's and, huge. It's oh. like, but I'm afraid it's kind of like the beanie babies of today. It's like, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I agree with you. Just Bob. throw away stuff later on but i mean i have some funko but I only it's like you know like oh they get they came out with speed racer i gotta get that or you yeah. know it's like a, a special one that came out i don't just go like grab all these funko even though there may be some of characters i really like the best funko that ever came out was nightmare speed racer Ooh. it was the world's greatest race three-part episode and at one point, Trixie has a dream because Speed's missing. You know, they don't know if he's dead or alive. And she has a dream where she sees him. He's from you know, his back. And she goes running up there, Speed, Speed. He turns around. He's like a demon. I'm not Speed. You know, and she screams. And he's only on screen for like five seconds or something. And they made a Funko figure of him. That's so funny. I, I will say Funko has an amazing licensing office because they've licensed the hell out of every property from Harry uh, Potter to <laughs> Ronald McDonald, uh, uh, Roddy Piper from them. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Um, they live. They live. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. The, <laughs> the ant movie, but it was, uh, you know, everything being said, it was nice to be back. It was cool going around with Jasmine because she'd never been. Hmm. She's been to some of the smaller conventions. So, um, oh, the swag table was empty. Oh, really? It was the the uh, Godzilla Fest, the postcards, uh -huh. the, the Planet 8 postcards, and the Comic-Con cruise. Yes, they're doing a cruise now, kids. Um, and maybe like, you know, a, a bookmobile deal or something like that. And that was it. Five long tables. Wow. And, and the stuff was spread out on the tables. No shirts, no bags. I did take a, uh, I, well, I had a bunch of postcards and I would, I would put them around the floor as well as on the swag table. But I had one of our backpacks for Planet 8 and there was this kid dressed as the Mandalorian. And those of you that watch the Rebels cartoon, they had one of those cats. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, on his head. Uh, you know, part of his hat, he didn't have the helmet on. And I thought it was adorable. And so I asked his mother, hey, we do a podcast, Planet 8. And um, she was like, thank you so much. And he was like, oh, <laughs> you know. I'm like, enjoy it, kid, because there ain't shit on those tables. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the swag you're getting. That's swag. all the swag. 
You know, my niece is down there. We got to spend time with my niece. We drove, so we got to take the fur babies. They met her puppy. Um, so it was just a puppy love fest. We got so to what do you do with the fur babies while you're at the con? Uh, we left them at the house with some pee pads. That uh, kind of sort of worked for some and not for others. So you were staying at a house? Down- oh, you are staying with your niece. Yeah. Well, and that was part of the reason that we're like, okay, we can afford to do this because we're going to save probably like two grand on a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hotels no longer have free shuttles. So with, with Uber, I guess, anyway, yeah. um, went to Bally high, had brunch. If you've never been to Bally high in, oh, in it's uh, cool. San Diego. Yeah. The brunch was, um, yeah. you know, just hung out, had a good time. Um, yeah. If if you've never been, prepare to spend thousands of dollars on a hotel and, and good luck getting tickets. You know, the tickets, uh, my niece had gone the year before and the year before that. So she got to go into the November purchasing online, whatever, in November. And and she got I think Thursday and Sunday, she got to go in in February as well. And um, she was able to get Friday. And even though we were in her group, there was all these funky rules. If you're in a group, you can get their ID numbers and you can buy passes. They used to be when we'd go to Comic-Con on Sunday, you just get into the kiosk and you bought a four-day pass, which included preview night for free for next year. Now preview night cost money thir- and you have to buy all the days separately. The caveat being that if you pod together, your group will get whatever days you get. And so um, anyway, long story short, she got an extra day uh, than we did. And so she got to you know hang out and do her thing without us old farts. But if you get a chance to do it, I highly recommend it. More than Comic-Con, though, if you can go to UltraFest next year, hopefully there is one, and Godzilla well, I think uh, year. next year we should be able to move it earlier in July, closer to Ultraman Day. It just so happened be- that Ultraman Day weekend, Adam, who owns the theaters, was on vacation, so we couldn't do it that huh. way. <laughs> and then the following weekend was like the very last concerts ever of the grateful dead or whatever whoever's left in the grateful dead <laughs> at uh pack bell park uh, at oracle park where the mm. giants play and so he he had to be at every show so couldn't do it that weekend either so that pushed us back one more weekend and right into san diego comic-con and barbenheimer and everything else so <laughs> if we do it next year it'll be closer to uh ultraman day which is uh which is the 9th of uh, July. Well, that'll be cool. Did, did either of you guys see Barbie or Oppenheimer yet? No. Yet. Oh, I did see Oppenheimer. And I mean, I would, of the two, that's the one I would go see, but I haven't. But yeah, It's good. It's a really, you know, I always complain about movies being too long and it's a three hour movie, but I didn't, really, <laughs> well, I didn't really feel it though. I mean, it, the way it was paced, um, I was like, you know, entertained. Well, entertained is not the right word. I was, um, 
I was involved in the story the whole way, right? So I was I was like constantly paying attention, didn't look at my watch or anything the whole time. Um, and it just kind of like flew by as I beat my microphone to the door. <laughs> and the but microphone flew by too. The microphone. <laughs> yeah, see, for me, it's like I'm always hesitant to go to a Christopher Nolan film because I'll sit there yeah. for like 20 minutes and then I'll realize... I have no idea what anyone has said so far. <laughs> this one did not suffer from like the mumbling or the um, soundtrack overwhelming the dialogue. Cause I know what you mean. I find there's, yeah. there's a, a few things I tend to dislike about Christopher Nolan movies. And one is like, yeah, sometimes it's like, you can't hear people. And then the other thing is I just find that a lot of times his movies, um, seem like very emotionally detached. Like, you know, there's, it, there's a coldness to them where it feels like there's not a lot of human emotion there. Um, and I, I don't think this one really suffers from that, but it's, it's a type of a story where maybe, you know, it, I, I, his type of storytelling, I think, works really well for this. Well, it's so, not exactly a lighthearted subject. No, no. But it does involve a... Per I mean, while they're telling the story of how we built the atomic bomb, they're also telling very much from the perspective of Robert Oppenheimer and his life and what was going on with him. And, and you know, this guy was like a genius, but like all geniuses, you know, he has his like issues and eccentricities and... So it was just, um, yeah, it was really, it was interesting. I thought it was, the acting is great. They have a lot of really, really good actors in this. Um, and they tell, they're going back and forth into different time periods, but it's never, it was never confusing to me at all. Okay. So well, uh, sure. I, yeah, I maybe we'll, checking it out. We'll give it a try, maybe. Yeah. The two best memes I saw in Oppenheimer was one with the mushroom cloud, and they had the three Stooges heads in it. And it said Weisenheimer. <laughs> and then the other one was, uh, it said sequel to Oppenheimer. And it had a picture of Godzilla on there. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that one. Um, my birthday is August 6th. And my friend Matt has a very poor sense of humor and says, I need to go see Oppenheimer on August 6th. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm like you, Bob. Christopher Nolan films. I, I, um, but I, I do want to check this one out. I've heard good things about the actors. I've good heard good things uh, about the story. And, and well, Robert Downey Jr. is in there somewhere, isn't he? And, and they say that you can't even tell. I mean, you know, it was a surprise. Yeah. Cause like in the ads, I didn't recognize him as this character. Hmm. And then once the film got going, I was like, because I knew he was in the movie because I saw, oh, he's doing publicity for it. It was like, who does he play? And then when I saw it, it was like, oh, that's Robert Downey Jr. He looks so different. But, you know, once he starts talking and everything, you know, it's him. Yeah. But yeah. very looks very different. So. I mean, I was going to say he shaved his head. But he didn't shave it, but it's like his hair is like really almost like a crew cut, right? It's very thin. I mean, he just looks like a comb an, over. I thought very yeah. It's thin. To, he looks like an elderly man. He's playing mm -hmm. an elderly man, right? So you know, he 
very white, thin hair. And yeah, he just does not look like himself. So have to check it out. Yeah. Um, I actually might have to check out Barbie now, though. I, I had no intention before of seeing it, but it seems like it is so controversial amongst some people. <laughs> so it's making so much money and everything. It's like, well, maybe I'll see what this is all about. sucked in. That's the whole point. Yeah. That, that's it. That's- Plus, there's nothing else to do out here. You know, it's 100 and... 15 degrees so go see the flash go see the haunted mansion they need the help not barbie this mega million i i don't need to have a crystal ball to tell me that the haunted mansion is a huge turd now now (laughs) i always say don't let people tell you what you should like or not like i'm basing this just on watching the trailer larry okay all right i'm just saying debbie and i were gonna go out and watch uh Mission Impossible last weekend. We just oh, yeah. didn't get out to it, but it's, I, it's on the radar. I, I loved Mission Impossible. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And Not when true. I tweeted about it, they sent me a T-shirt. So what can I say? What? Yeah. But it was a large. I love so- Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. Please send me a shirt. <laughs> Nobody sends me anything, especially Strange New Worlds. I get death threats from them. Oh, God. <laughs> Are we going to talk Should about Strange New Worlds? Let, let me, we'll segue into Strange New Worlds. And let me say, Bob, you are wiser than you know, because I was like, a musical? A musical on the Enterprise? And Bob said, it worked for Buffy. That was one of the most popular episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is when they did the musical. I will say if, but, but this is strange new worlds as a whole. If, if it wasn't the fact for the fact that they have legacy characters, Uhura, Nurse Chapel, Dr. Mbenga, I have a lot of trouble with Khan's granddaughter, you know, and if it wasn't Starfleet, and if it wasn't even Star Trek, if it was just like a space, like... So if we took everything out of it. You took, yeah, yeah, every single thing yeah. out of it and made it If you took everything show, and, and you made... it might be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they sing... The, the songs are good songs. Um, I, I can't think of the actor's name who plays Spock. He's Gregory Peck's grandson. Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck, yeah. Ethan Peck. Um, you know, when he initially played Spock in... Um, discovery and then part of the first season of strange new worlds i was like ah okay i kind of see what he's trying to do and then the second season um and and let me let me say this too before i get back into the musical i talked to lord blood raw offline our good friend and i'm like lbr what the hell are they doing strange new worlds because he's an old school trekkie you know the original series and and just you know yeah and he's like, I'm loving the second season. And I'm like, oh, come on. You're pulling my leg. That's like Bob and Karen saying they've reconsidered Batman versus Superman. <laughs> but he was serious. And I shared this with Karen. And Karen's like, I know. No way. It, 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 um, it didn't make any sense. It still doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but. De- Debbie and I have been watching it. We've been enjoying it. It's just like, you know, I'm not the 
you know, I'm not the deep dive down the rabbit hole Trekkie fan that you guys are. So, um, yeah, I like the original series and next generation after that, it's kind of eh, whatever, but that, I enjoy discovery true. and I enjoy strange new worlds and yeah, I mean, okay. You know, they're, they're adding some humor to it and things, but I mean, well, Larry and I are talking, look at the original series. It's like, you know, oh. Shore leave, trouble with tribbles. Yeah, but none of Eden, violated the I mud. I mean, there were some pretty, you know, Spock's but, brain. I mean, there were some pretty silly episodes on there. But the, the characters still remained the characters. I mean, the things they're doing with the characters in Strange New Worlds, they're they're almost. I mean, Spock is like unrecognizable in this show. Correct. Well, I mean, I will say the you know, the one thing is like if you watch the original pilot. For Star Trek, a failed pilot. The cage, and there's one scene, and it where even he showed smiles. up again. What's that? Yeah, there's one scene where and he smiles. Yeah, he smiles. He's like looking at a flower or something. He smiles. And I think they took that, and they, in order to try to explain that within the canon of the series, stupid. then suddenly he's <laughs> trying to express his emotions. He's trying to come to terms with it. Them, so it's it's idiotic. But because- that last episode before the musical one. The, the crossover with uh, Lower Decks. I thought it was funny because he'd smile and it's just the way he'd smile was so creepy that he just had to laugh, you know? And it's like, and it was freaking out the guy from, Low, I don't know what, I can't remember the guy's name from Lower Decks, but uh, the guy who played Huey in The Boys. Mm. The problem is they're, they're basing the, this whole characterization of Spock on the cage, which was one, a failed pilot. Two, in the cage, they hadn't finalized Spock's character yet. So actually the unemotional character was number one, the way that they had initially conceptualized the characters. Number one was gonna be the unemotional, cool, you know, character that was gonna be on the show. And Spock was actually gonna be, I think initially they had him as a Martian, but he was, going to be more emotional. He was going to have, it's just like how he gets out of the transporter room and he goes, the women, and he shouts. So he wasn't, clearly in that, he was not the Spock that we had in the TV series. So they're using something that has no bearing on the character as we knew it, you know. But it does exist. And I think they're just kind of going overboard trying to explain. Because they want to play with the character, but they're violating what we know about the character. And they're also kind of demeaning him because all the time he's doing stuff and they're having characters say, you know, oh, don't you know how, you know, people don't like that or you shouldn't do that or everybody's talking down to him all the time. It's just, I don't know, for me, I don't like it. Obviously, I think they're good. It's a bad direction. And then all the stuff with Chapel. Now they have a relationship oh. and all this stuff is like, come on now. That clearly was not the intent in the original series. The intent in the original series was that it was unrequited love. She was in love with him. He was not interested, you know, but whatever. They're just. Yeah, see, I don't. I can't talk about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll just keep going. So I might as well stop there. But yeah, I haven't seen the musical one yet. And I, a part of me says, just stop watching. 
It's just upsetting you. Just yeah. stop watching the show. <laughs> it's on the docket after this episode. I'm going to go watch it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Um, maybe maybe what I'll do too is I'll put on closed captioning so we can sing along with all the songs <laughs> I won't spoil the episode but if you do sing along you're going to help them really? oh God. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll leave it at that so did you you enjoyed the songs I enjoyed the songs I I, I need to rewatch it with like a fresh pair of eyes because Lord Bloodron, my friend Matt, were like, oh, no, this and that one. And I'm like, you know, the whole argument about it was like a five second smile. And, you know, the women. It was an homage. Very few people know this, that John Belushi gave Leonard Nimoy and the Blues Brothers when he's like, the women, how much for the women? <laughs> Just kidding. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> you know, and I was talking with Bob before we started. Uh, recording tonight and I've, I've talked to Karen a number of occasions that you know maybe and I was joking around I'm that old fart watching you you can't Mabenga would never kill Klingons what do you do oh, don't get me started on that one well that's that's a whole well you know we had a long conversation we, we about it via text so yeah, a lot of texting it's it's yeah that 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 episode has bothered me more than any other episode so far. well now where did mabenga originate because he, he was in a tv show yeah he was in two episodes of the original series correct oh. and and he knew a lot about vulcan physiology and and anatomy um, Spock had gotten stabbed or shot. No, he got stabbed and he lost a lot of blood in this episode. And he put himself into the, like, like a Vulcan coma and um, was trying to come out. And, and uh, Mabenga was like slapping the heck out of him. Yeah, okay. And yeah, yeah and he's, so. oh, okay, that's enough, doctor. Um, yeah, we should probably, we should probably move on. There, there's, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm well, gonna... I, was, I was telling Larry before we started. It's I haven't. I'm going to watch it when we're done here, but it would definitely. I'm going to be very depressed and sad if they miss the opportunity to have Spock sing the ballad of Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> and That's and I told saying. Bob I can neither confirm nor deny. Well, that that, that song will be. I, I, I'm song. thinking you may be sad then because. <laughs> <laughs> but just go on YouTube. It's there. You can just watch it. It's fine. Oh, no. I, I post it every once in a while, especially for my friend Aaron Cooper. We would just like, oh, it's about time to post the ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Bob just wants uh, Peck to, uh, Ethan Peck to sing it. That's all. We actually need him to sing, uh, what is it, Bitter Dregs? <laughs> oh, Bitter Dregs. <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll we'll move on. I I don't know if I'll. Uh, well, next week is the finale, and and just messing with canon. You know, I think that's the Gorn. My biggest. Yeah, I didn't. The Gorn know. is really just the alien now. So it's yeah. Well, we don't know. They haven't really shown him yet. Oh well, yeah. they they gestate inside people and. <clears throat> All this other stuff. So. I will say there's this moment. And, and once you guys, if you watch the musical episode, I'll share with you the moment where I was kind of like, okay, that was kind of cool. It, it was, it wasn't song. It was just a discussion between these characters. And, and it was kind of like, eh, okay. 
That's, that's probably the, the issue is that there's potential, right? So you see the potential of the show and it's frustrating because it could be so much more. You but, know, and, and oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and that's just the thing. But I think it's, it, it, they, they have inherent limitations by setting it up as this prequel and, you know, they bring on these characters, they, the obsession with like messing around with legacy characters all the time. Like, you know that nothing is going to happen to Spock or Uhura or Kirk, or, you, know, you know, and then there's certain things you can't do with them because, or you shouldn't. Apparently you, you shouldn't. can. They do, yeah. but they shouldn't. So I don't know. I just, I would much rather see a series set, you know, in the, the future of Star Trek, what should be the present, which would be where we were with um, Picard season three, right? So pick up I, after that. You know? I was going to say, and to be fair, Picard season one and two were sincere shit burgers. Oh, yeah. So season three, it's like, so who knows? Strange New World season three? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just mean, if, think they. it would be nice to have characters where we don't know like what their future is going to be. We don't know what's going to happen next. This was the beauty of Deep Space Nine. Well, yeah, any of those series, right? Next Generation, Deep I Space think, Nine, even Voyager, which I didn't really like that much. But yeah. you, they were wide open. You could write anything because right. you weren't, they weren't prequels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Um, let, let me ask you guys, though, something, uh, if there, well, okay. So there is a Star Trek musical episode besides humans and Vulcans. Is there any other life form Gorn Android or otherwise that you'd like to see sing and do a little dance? Of course, Karen, none, because no. she just doesn't. I think, I think the Gorn could pull off like a pirate shanty. <laughs> I think that would be good. Well, the only thing that might be appropriate is Klingon opera, right? So. I, I will take this opportunity to say that you will both be deeply disappointed. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers um okay so uh bob and i and i was very pleased when bob told me this have seen the new flash movie which yes, i had we did actually watch it it's funny because we just did a time travel episode with different forms of time travel and and so this movie kind of plays into that karen hasn't seen it so we're not going to take a deep dive mm -hmm. uh into this film i thought it was fun it was a good popcorn movie yeah i mean karen can go la 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 <laughs> like, listen, but, um no i think like i said before the show i mean it was a good movie i enjoyed it but they did try very hard and i know flashpoint existed like a long time ago but yeah. They did try very hard to be like Spider-Man No Way Home and just bringing certain characters together and, you know, playing I, I the timeline where you've got, you know, you think you're going to get Batfleck and you get, you know, 
you get the Michael Keaton Batman or whatever, which was very cool to see, I will say. And the, 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 the shame of it is, is that the movie didn't do well. So there will not be another Michael Keaton Batman movie. I guess the deal was this does great. We're going to take Michael Keaton and do some more Batman films. And now was it? Well, a you never know. Maybe it'll, it'll catch on in China or somewhere and make a bunch of money and they'll change their mind, but it hasn't happened yet. And it's, that's how uh, Pacific Rim got a sequel. It, I hear they're doing a third one. It's going to be a musical. So, <laughs> well, they did. They did a couple animated series on Netflix. Oh, oh did oh, you're right. You're right. They did. Grim oh, there's Black, a. It's called. Uh, there's a Gamera animated series. Gamera's coming up, like a okay. six-part series. You know, Bob and Walker. I saw that first Godzilla animated series on netflix and i fell asleep oh no i mean yeah there's three movies and then there's the um there's the series and yeah they, they all suck so <laughs> this comes from a diehard godzilla fan i used to think i'd be a completist but i'm not gonna you know if any of those come out on video i will not own them but yeah i mean in the third movie godzilla fights ghidra which is ghidra's like this big like you know lightning bolt thing and uh i was on the phone with or i was texting with kevin and at one point i go you know i'm watching the third godzilla film and godzilla and ghidra have been fighting for about 10 minutes now and neither one has moved on the screen <laughs> and that kind of sums up all three movies so it's this like yeah nothing he's godzilla is a giant plant version of godzilla and he's just planted in one spot. He never moves, never does anything. But enough of those. Speaking of never moving, we're going to kind of segue into uh, congressional hearings. Um, believe it or not, totally. shared this with me. And those of you watching our YouTube channel can see Karen's awesome T-shirt. My uh, UFO T-shirt. But it's dun, dun. the Jerry Anderson TV show UFO. Which I'm very jealous of, although I do have a <laughs> cavity color creature from the Black Lagoon shirt. That is awesome. I died, but. Hey, who's to say that Jerry Anderson didn't reverse engineer some of the actual UFOs that crashed <laughs> in Roswell and elsewhere? Oh, my God. Oh, but, you never know. But, you know, Fox Mulder would be having a heyday if if he were an actual person living today because I was shocked and surprised and happy to hear that Congress, there was an actual um, whistleblower with, I think it was with the air force, right, Karen? Well, so there were three different guys and I was mm, going to, I only pull, saw one testifying on that. I was going to pull this up to make sure that I got everybody's um, names, right? The whistleblower was named Dame, Dave Grush. And so Dave Grush had worked um, in different um, intelligence agencies within, um, oh gosh, my computer's being cuckoo, um, within uh, the U.S. Uh, government. So I think he might have been in the, um, what is it, the DIA, something like that. Um, and he is the whistleblower. And I'll be honest with you, he's the one 
Uh, oh, let's see. The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. And yes, he That's was an intelligence one. officer in the uh, Air Force. Um, the other two gentlemen were both uh, naval aviators. Um, there was, uh, let's see, Ryan Graves and David Fravor. Now, for me, well, you know, I've I've been interested in this topic for a very long time. Um and not necessarily convinced that the extraterrestrial theory is the answer to everything. Um, I mean, Grush is interesting in the sense that he claims he's seen all these documents that point to crash retrieval programs, um, what he says is non-human biologics and all this stuff. But it, But again, it's sort of like, okay, where's the evidence, right? He had, you know, he doesn't have anything to show necessarily, although it's possible that he doesn't want to put forth anything that is top secret in front of the public, right? What right. I think is more interesting is the two pilots, the two aviators who are talking about their encounters, the things they've been seeing when they've flown, you know, we've, seen releases from the the government of these things that pilots have been encountering that you know a lot of people want to dismiss as drones but some of the things these things are doing if they're drones they're drones that the u.s can't create um dave fravor described one that came from space essentially some object they encountered that dropped down from eighty thousand feet sat still for three hours with, you know, wind currents and all kinds of things flying around it. And then, you know, zoomed around and messed with the planes and then zoomed back up into outer space. And like, we have no technology to do the things that he describes. So whatever's going on, there's something going on. Um, whether it's an earthly foreign uh, government or whether it's some other Extraterrestrial, ultra-dimensional, I always like to say if you haven't read John Keel or Jacques Vallée, those are two authors I highly recommend because of their theories about all this stuff. Uh, but it's interesting that it finally made its way to, to Congress, such a very public um, hearing and discussion with these gentlemen. Well, I was kind of surprised about that. And let's point out, they're not UFOs anymore, right? <laughs> UAPs. Like UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena. Or they 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 either call them unidentified aerial phenomenon or unidentified. Um, uh, it's not autonomous. It's uh, oh gosh, I forget. So there's there's and unidentified non-existent uh, thingies. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they want to use that new term. But, I mean, it's basically still UFOs. There's schwas. There's greys. <laughs> you talk to Barney and Betty Hill, first people to be documented abduction. If you could talk to cows, you'd hear about cattle prods and hoobajubes <laughs> and things of that nature. Uh, this is a public hearing. I'm sure there's been a lot of close the door hearings on this. Like Karen said, this thing drops 80,000 feet. Come on, people. Come on. The Russians, please. 
Well, we should be really worried if either the Chinese or the Russians have technology like that. And a balloon flying over Alaska, Betty and Barney <laughs> Hill. Google it. Uh, you know, I, I have to say I'm very skeptical about abduction cases. I, I'm, you know what? And the other thing, look at the Mothman. Okay, Mothman is a whole other story. And I, that, I think, and, you know, I think that's when you start getting into perceiving this as not just about UFOs, but a much larger phenomenon that messes with people's perceptions. And that's, I think there could be a lot of different things going on here that we just don't understand. I, I won't mention Sasquatch then. Or we'll put it off on. See, now I did catch something on. It's kind of one of those little sub channels like out here. It's like 66.6 or something where it was like a two hour interview with the main guy that was talking, not the pilots, but what you said, Rush. Um, There's like a two hour interview on TV with him where they go into every little detail of everything he says he saw or encountered or heard or Mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, it all sounds really interesting. And he just kind of keeps thinking, oh, you know, this, this guy could be full of crap or maybe some of it was happening. But, yeah, but then to see him probably six or eight months later in front of Congress, then it's like, oh, OK, well, maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's something going on. But, I mean, I do definitely believe in, you know, extraterrestrials and intelligent life out in the universe somewhere. Cause God didn't put all them stars and planets up there just to entertain us at night. There's gotta be something out there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure the NSA is listening into the podcast. So <laughs> we're not going to be talking about this much longer. If they discover where planet eight is, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. So, well, I think, I think we're hidden away enough. <laughs> I just find us. I still have some difficulty thinking that, well, one, okay, you have the speed of light. It's very difficult to imagine being able to travel past the speed of light. So it's going to be very hard for anybody to actually get here from another planet. But it has our DNA and, and the makeup of our body, yes. Well, no, just I the agree. technology. I mean, I'm not talking about biological. I'm just talking about being able to make a, a device, right? A spaceship that can mm-hmm. get here. Okay. But let's say, let's say, okay, let's say they figure out some sort of way to bend space or whatever, and they can travel quickly, right? Because we don't know everything. You know, we think things are impossible and then we find a way somehow. So they say they are able to travel here. Okay. Then I'm sort of with our good friend, our our idol, William Shatner, who just, I read an article yesterday where they asked him about this. And he essentially said, you know, why would they come here? Why would they come here? And then hide and play peekaboo with us, you know, or, or also why would they come here and then just want to stick things in our hoopajoo, right? So it doesn't make a lot of, I mean, you know, it's oh. a big distance to travel. It's a lot of energy to spend. It's a lot of this, that, and the other. And then they just kind of fiddle around. I'm more inclined to think that these are the same entities or intelligence that has been messing with us 
through all of history, you know, whether they come to us as extraterrestrials or as fairies or spirits or whatever, right? Just there's some sort of intelligence that manifests itself in different ways. And I, I think it's very unsettling to believe that there's something that exists that is smarter than we are, faster than we are, uh, you know, name it. What, what kind of technology does it take to drop 80,000 feet from not the sky, from space? And then against all the weather and just sit there for a couple of hours and then zigzag and play around. Why did they zigzag and play around? Why do kids do donuts these days in the streets? I don't know. Yeah. They're wasting $80,000 sports cars, maybe more with all the, anyway. It's, it's hard for us Those to may assign. Be like intergalactic sports cars. Right. They're just How... having a sideshow. <laughs> the kids got the ship and they... let's it's go hard. to earth and mess with them. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. It could be, it could be a whole bunch of different things going on and, you know, we just can't, our perceptions, our intelligence, we can't understand it. Right? I think that's part, a big part of it is our perception. Uh, you know, what we perceive. The, even on Earth, the diversity we have between cultures, you know, we all, we all bleed blood. But we eat different foods. We, we have different ways of, of living and existing. And so I don't know. But I, I do know this, that on Planet Eight. We don't have a president. We don't have a king. We have the shat. And when the shat speaks, we, we listen. So. But then again, there's also he who is Carl Sagan. There you Carl go. Carl Sagan definitely claimed that there were intelligent beings out there in the universe. This is true. They may not be visiting us. They might maybe couldn't care less. You know, maybe they're so much smarter than we are that it's like, why bother, you know, checking these people out? We already know all that stuff. But or we already did all that thousands of years ago. You know, we have evolved past that. Why go and look at it? But um yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I'm sure there's intelligent life out there somewhere. I, without a doubt, without a doubt, um, whether it's this dimension or universe or time period or all that stuff. Well, it's it's interesting to see these congressional hearings and you can look at them a couple of well, you can look at them a lot of different ways. You could either say, oh, they're finally, this topic is finally getting the attention it deserves. Or you could say, our, our government has gotten so dumbed down <laughs> that we are now having congressional hearings about these things. I mean, it all depends on your, your take on the matter. Well, it depends on the makeup of Congress as well. I mean, we've got all these <laughs> people in Congress that like, That's true. should have been gone, should have retired like decades ago. But then you have a lot of like up and coming younger generations in Congress who grew up on Star Trek and whatever. And, you know, maybe they're like, hey, let's check this thing out. Let's see if see if Area 51, if there's anything really out there. This is true. 
Yeah, well, I certainly wouldn't have imagined it when I was a kid in the 70s and we were having all these UFO flaps all the time and hearing about it uh, on the radio. There used to be a lot of like radio shows that would cover all this stuff, like pre pre-art bell coast to coast. There were there were other radio shows that would cover the UFO stuff. And it seemed like every week somewhere in the country there was some UFO sighting. And you know, everybody was very dismissive. Everybody in authority tended to be, although like Jimmy Carter saw a UFO. There still is, and they moved it from the radio to YouTube. So if you go on YouTube, uh, make sure you go to Planet 8's YouTube channel first, and you can go look at all the other... Go look at Coast uh, to Coast. I haven't I haven't actually listened to that in ages. Hmm. But, uh, well, so, Joe Lennon claimed to have seen a UFO over mm-hmm. here. There's UFOs over New York, mm-hmm. and I'm not too surprised. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, my friends, uh, a little bit of sad news. Uh, the passing of Paul Rubens oh, uh, yeah. happened, uh, famously playing Pee Wee Herman, um, the age of 70. And uh, I don't I, I didn't pull it up, but he he uh, wrote this message to the fans, basically thanking them and apologizing, not talking about his his battle with uh cancer and um just you know he enjoyed making art for us so um do you guys want to speak to uh to that well i don't know does anyone have any oh yeah memories i just remember peewee's playhouse and how much you know and i was i I guess i was in college yeah because i I remember i would watch peewee's playhouse um I had a job uh, in college the year, I guess, that Pee Wee's Playhouse came out uh, working for a veterinarian. And so I would (laughs) watch that show before I would go into the vet sometimes. I just remember it was just so like creative and goofy and weird, but positive. Like he, he could be like the weirdest kid, like grown up kid, but so like positive about everything. Um, and it was just a lot of fun, you know, like you never knew what was going to be on the show, but yeah, it was, it was just neat. I really, really enjoyed watching it. And I regret that, um, I had the opportunity one time to go to LA and see him live and something happened and I didn't get to go. Um, I really wish I'd been able to do that, but I just, he just seemed like a really, you know, funny, crazy kind of guy. And, and. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing him do Pee Wee, but some of the other appearances he made in other shows too, you know? Um, Yeah, it's just sad. It's one of those things like you always think about, you know, different characters that people portrayed and sort of how they touched you when you were younger. And so sorry to see him pass. I mean, he was showing up in other things. I mean, he was like, he was like... uh... Well, is he like the Penguin's father in the, the second Michael Keaton Batman movie? Mm-hmm. And he was a vampire in uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Mm-hmm. And he also turned back up as Oswald Cobblepot's father in the Gotham series mm-hmm. that was on on the WB. And yeah. uh, It was in a Cheech and Chong movie early on. Yeah. So he did it quite a bit. I was at a Giants game one time. 
way back in Candlestick Park. <laughs> and uh, during between innings, they started playing tequila. <laughs> and some guy in the upper deck got up and did the entire peewee dance while they were playing tequila. And then a couple of security guys came and escorted him out. Oh, why thought, was oh, he doing man, it on the railing or something? So the next morning in the paper, I read that was Paul Rubin. He was at the Giants game, wow. he got up and did the dance. And then once everybody recognized him, they kind of like took him off and, you know, put him up in one of the suites or whatever. So he wouldn't get bothered. Right. But yeah, he was full bore peewee dance up there to uh, tequila. So, and then yeah. the other memory I have, which doesn't totally involve Paul Rubin, but when we did our first Godzilla fest, this one guy comes up to me, he's like, Hey, I had to come up to this thing. Cause I made the Godzilla and Ghidra suits that were in Pee Wee's big adventure. He goes, I made those. It turns out it was Cleve Hall. Mm. And uh, he would go on to be the monster man on sci-fi and all that. Unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but um, yeah, we get, you know, kind of became friends there. We stayed in touch, you know, over the years and he came out to some of our other Godzilla shows, right. See him down there. But yeah, that all started with him bragging that he made the suits for, for uh, Pee Wee's big adventure. That is cool. Let us not forget mystery men. Mr. Oh, yeah. uh, yep, he, he played the spleen, one of my favorite uh, <laughs> characters. So uh, if you've never seen the movie, you don't have to just uh, Google uh, the spleen and uh, you'll, you'll see some of the uh, great uh, performance <laughs> in that film. Wow. Yeah. I haven't thought of that in a long time. Yeah. I posted on, uh, online on social media, there was this short that they did with, uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman and, uh, Saturday night live. I can't think of the, the oh, comedian's name. I saw that. That was hilarious. Oh, it was just so funny. And it's an older Paul Rubens too. I mean, he was still having fun with the character and, you know, it, it was just, it was great. Um, he will be missed. Yeah. Uh, you know, sure. there, there's no one else like Pee Wee Herman out there. So, <clears throat> um, and that may be a good thing, but <laughs> this is the part of the show. We've gone a little long today. Feel, uh, feel free to comment on any and all of the things we discussed, but, uh, our sensor sweeps, um, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to start off. Uh, I did watch secret invasion and don't bother. Yeah. Wow. It was surprisingly dull and yeah, it's like, what did, what, what really came of it? I don't know. Yeah. There's nothing really that I'm watching now. So I plan on catching up on some of my reading. Um, Will Vaharo came out with a book, his uh, memoir and I uh, started that. reading it. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's entertaining so far. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I imagine. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, the fun thing is, um, not that I'm a part of his life, but, you know, we spent some time in Thrillville and he talks about the Thrillville experience and the whole concept and the idea and the execution of the idea at the Parkway and, and meeting Monica. And, and uh, yours truly is actually mentioned in the book. And I was, I was yeah. happily humbled um that that i got uh, a little piece uh in nice. the book 
I, I inherited the, uh, it's not here, but the Thrillville Tiki Bar. Did that, that survive the fire? It did. It was in the garage. So oh, that's hallelujah. I actually have the uh, the Magic Tiki. Oh, nice. So they used to play like a bongo drum. And he'd play yeah. like a bongo drum and then Monica would spin the wheel psychically figure out what the ticket winning tickets were oh. <laughs> yeah I got when that. they, yeah, when the they left they went to seattle they gave me that and a cart and uh like a partition that they had up behind the tiki bar and uh, a couple other things so um yeah they kind of kicked off the tiki patio here by mm-hmm. giving me that stuff nice so um but yeah so i, I plan on finishing that book uh nothing on tv there's well oppenheimer i do want to go see oppenheimer um and i do want to see the haunted mansion and with all the buzz about around barbie probably um i don't forget mission impossible i don't know um yours truly and uh, you know i gotta thank bob uh because i was going to the con and i know super seven excuse me sorry they have a shop in San Francisco. They have a shop in San Diego and they have a presence online. And they had a booth in the San Diego convention center. And they also had a little boutique outside in downtown San Diego. Cause they close off like all these streets. It's a huge festival outside. And it was all GI Joe and Cobra commander stuff uh, in the shop. But Bob turned me on to this uh, reach around here. For those of you watching on YouTube, this is a huge Godzilla figure. Oh, wow. Ultimates. And Bob, I have yours ready to give to you as soon as we have lunch next week. I am ready to receive. That logo looks like the Marvel Comics logo. Exactly. It is Marvel Comics logo, yeah, but it's the... uh... Based on what the IDW comics? It's the IDW Dark comics. Comic. Yeah. Ah, okay. So let me put this away. Some of which Keith Aiken, my partner on Sci Fi Japan, inked. Nice. Yeah. Need to get some of that original artwork and hang up in the. Uh, He's got some. Nice. I do have a. And when we did Ultra Fast, we were going to have a bunch of art up, but no one stepped up with art. So I had to go in my dungeon and dig out a bunch of posters, get them framed and put them up. And one of the things I found was a comic book page that was never a comic book. It was basically Ron Lim had drawn Ultraman basically firing his ray at the Balton alien and uh, Keith inked it. Nice. So, uh, it's really nice. So I had a display there at Ultra Fest, but um, that is nice. But yeah, no, it's yeah, Keith. In fact, Keith, um, somebody brought the old Godzilla versus Charles Barkley comic ah. to the show to have Keith sign it because he did the the inks on that on that issue. Nice. So, yeah, that is cool. This this I uh, went ahead and sent. To Karen, I picked one of these up. Oh. And she's probably like, what the hell did he get this like, for? You son of a bitch. I was going to show that. My <laughs> oh, so sorry. Isn't that yes, cool? It's a Rodan figure. And, and what does it Super say on the 7. back? It says on the back, no batteries, no electricity. <laughs> Move his wings, make him fly. His beak opens and closes. 
Now, now Bob may have the original. No, I actually, I sold the original. I had, and I had the original Shogun Warrior Godzilla. Oh, I sold them off at one point. Got a lot of money, but yeah. I I bet you did. I ended up buying a Shogun Warrior Godzilla at the San Jose Toy Show to replace the one that I, so I do still have one, but uh, I have yet, I looked on eBay like the other day for Rodan. And they were going for anywhere from five to eight grand. It was like, yeah, I guess I won't own a Rodan. But so is this a remake of that Shogun Warriors figure? That yeah, one you have, yes, but it's much smaller. Much smaller. Much smaller. This thing was like huge. Yeah. But they released the the Shogun Godzilla in this size. And, you know, they got a mm. smog monster and some stuff that That's cool. they put out. Yeah. Um, your mission commander likes to go to thrift stores. I was out thrifting and came across this cool album called Hot Sauce. The Jan Davis guitar. <laughs> I've never heard of this person, but I loved that artwork on that album. Have you listened to it yet? I have not. Pete has my uh, record player down in San Jose. So I, okay. need to, I mean, down on planet uh, 14. So <laughs> You're going to have to tell us what it sounds like. When I, well, and then I got Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, Circus Band. Oh, my God. I've never. This is circus music. I'm like, OK. Uh, for Barnum and Bailey, entry of the Gladiators, Sunnyland Waltzes, the Storming of El Caney, World. It, I'll let you guys know what it sounds like. I know, that's all I hear in my head. <laughs> And then my dear Walker sent a birthday gift, number of birthday gifts. I'm tempted to open here and now. I just assumed you would have opened them immediately. So I am shocked that you are waiting till your birthday. I opened the smallest one and I was like, it's brilliant. (laughs) It's a little like notebook, Star Trek notebook. And it has phaser and a communicator drawing in it and it's pretty cool but but i'm i'm gonna hold off on these uh okay. i will say i'm a huge fan of roosevelt's rsvlts online they just dropped their ultraman shirts today uh jasmine got one for me it won't be here in time for the birthday yeah, i but... did not even know that it was there i got the rain spooner ultraman shirt but oh cool I, you know, they do these drops and, and it's just like, well, I signed up for the alert. That's how I knew. So I'll have a shirt next year for, for ultra fest. <laughs> I may have to go look for one unless they're sold out already. Um, you know, I don't know. Go, go check and see um, the larger sizes and the smaller sizes sell fast, but the mediums and larges, I think they make more. Yeah. So yeah, medium, but I'll send you the link. Yeah, link me. Yeah, yeah. I, I put it on Facebook too, but um, they're going to have a Godzilla drop in another week or two. So if you're a Godzilla fan, yeah. I found, I'm sure this is a bootleg shirt, but you know, it has not stopped me before. Yeah. Um, it's like, just when you think you have all the shirts you need, and then suddenly, Someone dropped one and it was a button down, nice shirt that had like the, the Japanese art type of wave. And next to this wave or in this wave was Gamera. 
It's like I've seen tons of Godzilla shirts. Ultraman shirts are starting to leak out. But Gamera? Hmm. I had to get that, so that's on order. There you go. It's just so hard to find my size when I see something like this. I'm like, got to get it. Well, it's funny because for UltraFest, Rain Spooner sent me a Ultraman shirt so I could wear it and show it off and plug them. And they also got one for Kevin. Kevin said he needed a 3X. And they go, well, yeah, we only make up to 2X. So mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I just won't button it. So I got these in the mail and I had my medium and they somehow came up with a three X. I don't know if they like made it special for him. They go up to three X. I've, I've looked at rain spooner. Uh, um, you know, they've done some stuff in the past for Disney. It's three X. Interesting. So you looked at They originally told me, Oh, we only go to two X. And then suddenly there was a three X shirt in the mail. So. Yeah, that's cool. Well, so that that's all that I have. Um, Karen, did you have something you wanted to share with us besides Rodan? Uh, I don't have any more objects to share. Watching um, or reading anything? Or? I Oh, yeah, always. Um, so besides, you know, tearing my hair out over strange new worlds, <laughs> um, I started... Uh, I started a rewatch of uh, a show on Netflix called Ragnarok. And so I had watched this show uh, back in, I think, 2021. So it's uh, made uh, by it's Norwegian. And Thor is not in it. And Thor is in it. Oh, um, it's not sort the of, Thor we all know. And love. Not, no, not the Marvel Thor. Um, so it's sort of it. It's very much sort of like a young adult CW kind of drama, um, where the this mom and and her two teenage boys uh, move to this town in Norway. They're Norwegian, so they move to this town that's like a mining town. And the the family, the Jurels, who own the mining company, they're like super rich, and so everybody kind of, you know gives into whatever the Udals want. But very quickly, the oldest son, Magna, starts to realize that something is amiss. And then uh, it kind of, there's this whole supernatural element to it where essentially what winds up happening over time is the, the gods and the giants are coming back. And so they're sort of reincarnated in these different people in the town. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. I started rewatching it because they're going to, they had two seasons, which I saw like in 2021 and kind of forgot about it. And then I saw on Netflix that they were going to have a third season coming up here soon. So I was like, oh, I don't really remember everything. So there's only like, I think eight episodes a season. So it's pretty easy to burn through. So I started watching it again. Um, nice. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm still watching The Bear on Hulu, which is not a genre show, but is sort of a comedy it doesn't drama. It doesn't take place in a gay bar either. And it doesn't take place in a gay bar. It's not The Bear or The Stud. It's the, um, what is it? No, it's, it's you know, this guy who's a chef who comes back to Chicago after his brother dies and he takes over their sandwich shop. 
And then over the course of time, sort of what happens with him trying to run the shop and he has a lot of um, sort of issues, family issues. It, I don't know. It's entertaining, but it at times is kind of stressful show to watch. So sounds like something Jasmine would watch. You should you should have her check out a couple of episodes. Although I will say, in the second season, there was an episode that was a flashback to a family Christmas that was really difficult to watch because the mother is like completely nuts. Mm. Um, so and it was very stressful. So it was like after watching it, kind of just sat there and went, ah. So, but it's I'll entertaining. It it's entertaining. Cool. Chief. Yes. What do you got? Well, I've already talked about Ultra Fest and Godzilla Fest, and we'll see everybody out there. But <laughs> um, at Ultra Fest, of course, I always buy stuff off my, my friend Kevin who uh, we refer to as my pusher. And uh, I will see if I can. That's pretty heavy. Hold on. I got to get this with two hands. Okay. Be careful. Don't drop it. Don't uh, fall. He had this statue of oh, Shiraz. Wow. It was basically A.G. Subaraya had, when he made Ultraman, he went back to Toho and stole the Godzilla suit that was in like monster zero and he uh, put a fin on it. So you couldn't <laughs> tell it was Godzilla, but you know, of course he's got all the Godzilla features. <laughs> and you know, of course, halfway through the battle, Ultraman rips the fin off. And then of course it's, it's basically Ultraman versus Godzilla. They just don't say, Oh, that's Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. So this is a really cool statue. If you're watching on YouTube, it's a very big statue. It most certainly is. Just always nice. very cool. And then, but wait, there's more. Let me put that down without like you order now. <laughs> no uh, wonder your hip hurts. I saw this online, and I got it through Amazon, and I thought, this is so cool that someone would actually make a nice thick book hardcover. <laughs> all on the making of the last dinosaur oh, which we oh. covered in our tv movie episode this was a tv movie made back in the 70s it was a co-production between rankin bass and suburaya productions that made oh, ultraman man. who we just talked yeah. about the so title looks this and i thought what's that I was going to say, is it supposed to look like um, the yeah, uh, like Jurassic, Jurassic Park? Park? Okay. I thought I was confused. Okay. But I skimmed through like the first 30 pages or so. And this author, who is, uh, uh, is it uh, B. Harrison Smith, who's actually kind of a hack movie director. Yeah, he did like Slumber Party Massacre and things like that. He writes this book, and you would think that the very first fact you would know about The Last Dinosaur is the fact that it was a co-production between Rankin-Bass and Subaraya. Mm -hmm. Stated in this book, he states that it's a, a co-production between Rankin-Bass 
and Toho. Send the you book. You can't back. get that fact right. You get that fact that wrong. Well, you know, forget it. I'm not, I'm not gonna read the rest. It's trash. It's nothing. So I did buy it, but who needs it, right? So cleansing my palate. Um, I was able to get an advanced press copy of uh, the translation of novels by Shigeru Kayama. And this was uh, translated by uh, Jeffrey Engels. And uh, it is basically the translation of the original novels for Godzilla and Godzilla Raids Again. First two Godzilla films. And I've read, uh, I'm kind of into about, you know, 40 pages into it. Loving every second of it. It's not exactly the story as we saw it on film, either in the American or Japanese version. Uh, but it is the, the basically a novel that came from it. And uh, so far, so good. You know, I had UltraFest and my real job. I had all these installs I had to do this week and things. So I haven't had time to really sit down and get into it. But um, yeah, once I start reading it, I'm sure I will not be able to put it down. And Keith and I are going to interview him shortly. So I do need to finish that book. Nice. We'll be interviewing him for sci-fi Japan. Most likely we'll do a video of it, like a zoom video. So it'll be available online at some point, but very cool. But yeah, I was just, I was very surprised that that came out. I think it comes out like in October. So this was like an advanced copy. So um, she was very, the, publicist was very excited that we were doing Godzilla Fest. So she's going to send us like probably half a dozen copies to give out as prizes. Cool. And uh, like I say, she sent me an advanced copy just so I could see what the heck it was. Very and nice. Not That's just. Neat. Hey, uh, the last dinosaur book, did that come out recently or has that been? Yeah, out it's a new book. I would I would email the author and just say, hey, just an FYI, maybe in reprints they can fix it. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I could read the rest of it or not. <laughs> but if you can't get that part right, then oh, I know. You know, what other fantasies does he have in this book? Uh, you know? uh, so uh, it's almost, it's my strange new world. So at this point. <laughs> I can't even look at it. So um I did, you know, somebody posted on Facebook, oh, my good friend just wrote this book and it's available. Here's the link and blah, blah, blah. And I just replied, yeah, this movie was a uh, co-production with Rankin Bass and Subraya and not Toho as the author claims. I just left that there. So hopefully they changed it. I haven't seen any uh, replies, although the guy might have just blocked me, so I'll never see the replies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. I mean, as far as I can tell, this guy, I don't think this guy has a Facebook page, but yeah, if he did, I could just go on there and I could friend him just so I could go on there and say, you hack. (laughs) But (laughs) that's funny. But yeah, no, I mean, like like I said, I was looking forward to the book because I thought, oh, this is great that someone would actually write a whole book on the last dinosaur. I mean, 
And admittedly, there's not a lot of stuff out there. Who would have thought about the last dinosaur? So yeah. that's too bad. Like if somebody came out with a, a book on the trilogy of terror or something like that, it's like something obscure. And you think, God, I would love to read that book I know, or not, I know. but sorry, chief. As far, as far as, you know, what are, what are we watching these days? We're watching and enjoying strange new worlds. And uh, <laughs> we just got done with uh, walking dead, dead city which has been renewed for a second season, which is good because up on that. it would be terrible to end the way that this first season ended. And uh, since there's really not a lot of stuff coming up at the moment, uh, we have cracked open my DVD box set of crime story mm. from the eighties. This was the Dennis Farina series where he plays Mike Torello and he's uh, part of the, uh, police department there in Chicago. He does, he's like with the major crimes unit and they go after all these, uh, but it's, it takes place in 1963. So the whole aesthetic of it, the music, the bars they hang out in, the fashions they wear, it's all from like 1963. And just, I kind of like that whole aesthetic. So watching the series and, and the way it unfolds, is uh, very cool. Nice. And of course, everybody smokes everywhere like Mad Men and all that. So, <laughs> um, let me know how that is. Uh, I haven't seen that in. I haven't seen it since it was originally on, and it's like yeah. when the DVD set came out, I'm like, oh, I'm going to grab that. Yeah, yeah. But back then, I was running. I was like a warehouse manager for a company called uh, Ancha Audiovisual, mm. and uh, one of my drivers, his last name was Farina. Yeah. Really? Like, Oh, yeah. Cool coincidence. You know, so one day I told him, yeah, I'm watching crime story, you know, every whatever night. And uh, yeah, Dennis Farina's on that. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's my uncle. Jeez. <laughs> All right, cool. How cool. Also knew. So I was I have an old friend that her best friend is the niece of David Soul. Whoa. So I get these little connections, but it's yeah, awesome. that's cool. But yeah, that's pretty much show us. Oh, uh, and, uh, you know, sometime in the next couple of days, see all this gray hair here. <laughs> I'm going to be a grandpa. So oh. it's uh, my stepdaughter, Ivy, is uh, having a baby boy. And uh, we got a couple of days. And if she doesn't deliver in the next couple of days, they're going to start inducing things. So uh, <laughs> by the next episode, I'll be, I'll look much older and be a grandpa. <laughs> we'll have to call you Pappy. Well, you know, I've, I've kind of, I think I might go with G Dad. There you go. Just sound <laughs> yeah, it's G Dad. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, cool. It's a boy. So, you know. All oh, right. my God. We can bring him up and all this. Yeah. You're going to have to like, put little barriers up and stuff so you can't <laughs> grab all the little figures and they're, they're fighting. Yeah, I, had, I had a nephew over here one time and his mom told him, hands in your pocket. <laughs> Keep your hands in your pocket. So, you're, you're a better person than I. I wouldn't have hands in the pocket. I'd have a little taser handy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch it. Don't touch yeah. it. <laughs> this is your final warning. 
you could get the little electrical fence around it and have the kid put that little shock collar on so if they get too close. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, my friends, we have we have covered much this episode. This was actually all our episodes are enjoyable, but this was fun just kind of shooting the breeze. We haven't had a uh a lunch or a dinner together for quite some time, but this kind of like uh made up for that. This is pretty um, much how like we would, something. Yeah, we could have had our dinner and yeah, this would pretty much out here. Yeah. Know, Larry and I, what it would be Larry like. and I were drinking, but yeah. <laughs> it was uh Pepsi Zero, by the way. I had apple juice. Water. water. Oh, there you go. Walker had some water. Good. There you go. I have to stay hydrated out here or I'll fall apart like the cacti. Oh, that's just <laughs> incredible. It's like, well, stay healthy. You guys take care. Bob, let us know when the baby arrives and uh, enjoy the time I'll off. Be I will book. be a posting. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Walker, stay hydrated. I'm doing my best. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was out on a job today, and I have this water bottle that I've got a Planet Eight sticker on there. I got a Bay Area Film Event sticker and a Sci-Fi Japan and a Mantiques and a Gamera sticker and all the stuff. And I left it on the job site. Oh no! So uh, I'm now water bottleless. I had to go on Amazon and get another one that's coming tomorrow, but. Can you call them and have them hang on to it for you? No, I think I, it was a middle school, and I think I left it oh. on the edge of, the, like, out in the middle of the school. It was not, like, in a room or something. So I think it's gone forever, you know. Uh, I mean, who else could who else could own a water bottle like that? But most people there don't know, so. Some little SOB is going to be like, whoa. Oh, cool. <laughs> hey, someone could see that Planet 8 sticker and be watching – us right now. <laughs> Give me that water bottle. bottle. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have to uh, amass some new stickers for the new one. All right. Well, I do have extra Planet Eight stickers, so I will definitely that'll be that'll go on there right when I get it. Cool. So. Excellent. Well, my friends, it was very enjoyable. Walker, I see that Romulan ship. Is that new? That is a 70s vintage mm. from the original miniature kit. Uh, nice. The three ships. It's the only one that survived. Oh, that was Ertl. a model kit, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I had that. That Ertle with that. I don't have any of them anymore. But... The Enterprise, the Klingon, and the Romulan. Yep. The Romulan made it. That was like AMT, right? Yeah. Oh, AMT. maybe it was AMT, yeah. Because AMT was the, the original. And right. I had the, the big Klingon ship. And then I think I had those three. Yeah, the little snap together. like a communicator and phaser kit, too, I think. Yeah, those are long gone. But, yeah. Indeed. All mine are gone, but. Yeah. Very cool. In fact, I took all that time to build the Enterprise, and some little kid in the neighborhood came over and just tried to make it fly. Oh. That was the end of the Enterprise. <laughs> Looked like Star Trek Three. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Well, my friends, stay safe. Take care of yourselves. To our listeners, our friends out there, thank you so much for tuning in, listening to us, sharing uh, the podcast on social media. 
Um, you know, there's, I, I put in our name for a table at the, the convention in San Francisco. I got to give Bob and Karen the dates. <laughs> um, I, yes, I don't what know convention we, is this? It's called the Fan Expo. Okay. And it's, and it's a San long Francisco shot. Proper? San Francisco proper. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's at the Moscone, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so uh, I put us down as like a fan booth, even though we're a podcast, because we are kind of like a fan club as well. So we'll see if they approve us or not. Do they have like podcast areas or not? No. Oh, no. So sneak us in another. It's yeah, it's uh, more for like autograph hounds. I went to one. It used to be the Wizard magazine and they called them Wizard World Cons for a while. And, you know, they, they give some there's some discussion with the stars, but it's mostly them selling photo ops and, uh, mm. and autographs. Um, Jonathan Frakes is going to be there. And I'm thinking he's in his seventies, not to be morbid. I know I have a bad track record getting pictures and autographs and people. Larry kills off everybody. He has. Don't, yeah. say that. <laughs> don't get an autograph. <laughs> I didn't see Pee Wee Herman at all. Okay. So that's not my, uh-huh. yeah. um, but Jonathan Frakes is going to be there. They just announced that Ewan McGregor is going to be there. Um, so we'll see if we get a table. Uh, we miss seeing you guys. We used to go to the uh, creatures con. Uh, back before that, yes. went the way of the dinosaur. But we gotta, we gotta get out there and see you guys. Maybe we'll have a listeners party or something next year or later this year. I don't know. I'm throwing all this stuff out there, and Bob and Karen are like, "Huh?" Well, I mean, there's really Star Wars bar closed down, and they haven't really, I know, got there's anything new. Really. I think they have all the bars and stuff in their garage from last what I saw. But uh, yeah. Kevin alerted me of a Star Wars bar in San Francisco Mm. out on Polk Street. Okay. And I guess it used to be like the second oldest gay bar in San Francisco. (laughs) But the owner retired, left it to his son, and his son is more geek than gay, so he turned (laughs) it into like a Star Wars. So it might be worth checking out, and who knows? Maybe we can have a, you know, listener's party there. But yeah. Maybe we can rent out Forbidden Island. I don't know. We'll see. There you go. Should be. We got connections fun. there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, thank you guys again for listening and tuning in. And uh, until next time, this is the end of the episode. Stay safe. Peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planetatepodcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet 8 Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Planet 8 Podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.